behold, behold the mystery of the cosmos. Hello and welcome, Crypt Keepers. Welcome to a very special New Year's Swapcast. This is an early episode from Exploring Evil and covers the case of a self-proclaimed shaman who dedicated his magic to the Hindu goddess of destruction, Kali. He and his cohorts murdered innocent young girls to harvest their blood. You can find Exploring Evil everywhere you find Cryptique. Email Ryan and I at crypticpodcast at gmail.com for case suggestions or if you have an interesting story you'd like to share on the show. Thanks for listening, good luck with your resolutions, and have a happy new year. Tonight, friends and enemies, you'll get a glimpse into the sick mind of a shaman from Singapore who sought blood from the innocent to appease his amalgam of deities. Singapore, January 24th, 1981. A woman convinces a nine-year-old schoolgirl she knew to come help her at her apartment. Once she is back at the woman's apartment, the girl is drugged with a benzo called Dalmadorn, and she passes out. She is sexually abused by the woman's husband, who claims he serves the Hindu goddess Kali. She is then smothered with a pillow. The group, now the shaman and his two wives, pierce the girl's fingers with pins and drink the blood right out of her body. They smear blood on a painting of Kali and finish the girl by putting her head in a bucket of water and running an electrical charge through the water. Adrian Lim was born on January 6, 1942 in Singapore with two younger siblings. His family was originally from China and Lim was described by his family as hot-tempered. It was difficult to find any information on his childhood, but we know he dropped out of school at his second year of secondary school. In 1962, Lim worked for Rediffusion Singapore, which was a radio company. For three years, he installed and serviced radio sets, but after three years, he was promoted to bill collector. In 1967, he converted to Catholicism to marry Lillian, who was his childhood sweetheart. They had two children and rented an apartment until 1970 when they were able to purchase a flat on Block 12, Toapeo. Soon, Lim met a Malaysian shaman whom he called Uncle Willie and began to take lessons from him. He learned about blessings, curses, spells, dark magic, and witchcraft. Lim was hooked. In 1973, Lim began acting as a medium to communicate with long-lost relatives for a fee. 
To convince his patrons, Lim would meditate, speak in tongues, go into trances, and use elaborate accents. He also claimed he could cure the sick. He even offered a crude form of electroshock therapy to his clients to cure illnesses. Lim began to denounce his Catholic faith and worship deities like Fra Nan, who was a Siamese deity of sex, and of course Kali, the Hindu goddess of destruction. He went so far as to offer soiled women's undergarments to Fra Nan. With this, he rented a room and began to swindle people out of money. It started with the women, the elderly, and bar girls. He cheated good people out of large sums of money, but also accepted, in some cases, sex as payment. In 1974, Lim met a client named Catherine Tan, who was estranged from her family after her grandmother had died. After many visits and over the course of time, the two began an affair. In 1975, Tan moved in with Lim, his wife, and their two children. He told his wife he was staying faithful, but she soon found out the truth, and Lim's divorce was finalized in 1976. Lim took Tan as his, quote, holy wife, and then his official wife in 1977. Lim was a terrible husband who verbally and physically abused Tan, as well as forcing her to become a stripper and a prostitute. She revered Lim and believed his act about communicating with the dead, witchcraft, and black magic, and he told her having sex with many young men would keep her young and beautiful. In 1979, Lim was introduced to a woman named Hong who was looking for relief from a bad temper and headaches. Her mom brought her in to see Lim. Lim performed the needle-in-the-egg ritual where he placed needles in an egg through a tiny opening, waved the egg over the client, chanted, and asked the client to crack the egg. He told his clients that the needles were the evil spirits he had exercised. Lim began to brainwash Hong by telling her she was an illegitimate child and her family had lied to her about who her father was. Slowly, she began to believe the lies and fell under Lim's spell. He also told her that her husband was the one at fault for the evil spirits that were found inside of her. Her husband went to Lim for an electroshock therapy session, but Lim turned up the current, and Hong's husband died. There was no investigation because Hong and Lim told authorities it was a faulty electrical fan he was plugging in that killed him. Hong also became one of Lim's holy wives, and the three were joined forever. Lim had a knock on his front door and opened it to find Lucy Lau trying to sell cosmetics. He invited her in and told her she had been possessed by evil spirits, but reassured her that he could exorcise the demons. The rituals Lim had in mind included sex, to which Lucy refused. But Lim drugged a drink and said it would help her, but she soon fell asleep. Lim took advantage of Lucy while she was asleep and would soon face rape charges. She went to the police and Lim was charged with rape and Tan was charged with aiding and abetting. Lim told Hong to lie for them, saying that she was there and nothing happened, but the police didn't believe her. The trio had to pay to extend their bail every two weeks and they found this unacceptable. Lim came up with a plan to refocus the police attention from rape to murder. 
Lim thought a murder he could dedicate to the Hindu goddess Kali would do the job nicely. Hong tricked Agnes Ng Siu from Holy Innocence Girl School into coming home with her to help her with some unknown task, and the nine-year-old girl followed in a taxi. The group drugged the girl with Dalmadorn and sexually assaulted the child. The girl was then smothered with a pillow, and Lim poked her hands with needles so the three could drink blood straight from her fingers. They smeared blood on a painting of Callie and made sure they finished the job by putting her head in a bucket of water and passing an electrical current through it. They then put the girl's body in a paper bag and left her next to the elevator for Block 11 Flats, right next door to them. It's unknown why the group didn't hide the body better, but it's speculated that they believed Callie would protect them. The final victim was a 10-year-old boy named Ghazali Ben Marzuki. He was approached by Hong while he was playing with some other boys and asked to help. He was happy to help and followed Hong to a residence where Lim awaited. The trio then drugged their prey, but he was resistant so they tied him up and went out for dinner, expecting him to be asleep when they returned. He was still struggling when they returned, so they hit him repeatedly, drew blood, drank the blood, and then drowned him. The coroner also found burn marks on his back. Lim and Hong took the body out of the flat and put it under a tree between block 10 and 11. There was literally a trail of blood that led from the dead body to the door of the killers. I can't begin to understand how this is overlooked by the killers. It's either complete stupidity or complete stupidity. The police soon arrived at their doorstep. Inspector Pereira knocked on the door and Lim answered and let him in. The flat was littered with Hindu, Chinese, and Christian religious items. The Hindu idols had blood smeared on them and there were drops of blood scattered throughout the flat. Lim told the inspector it was candle wax. I mean, drops of chicken blood. I mean, Ghazali came here for help with a bloody nose, but the inspector knew better. The inspector found Ghazali and Agnes's names written on a piece of paper around the flat and found a few strands of Agnes' hair that Lim tried to hide, but the inspector took it into evidence. A call came in over the radio that Lim was on bail for rape, and the trio began to yell at the officers, telling them to leave but they were taken into custody. At this point, Lim had almost 40 holy wives. Have you ever wondered what it's like to kill a man?
Hey, what's up, Crypt Keepers? Are you enjoying the show? If you haven't already, I suggest taking my true crime podcast, Exploring Evil, for a test drive. Exploring Evil focuses on lesser-known serial killers, occult murders, and murders with a paranormal twist, so it should be right up your alley. The Magdalena Soli episode features a prostitute who convinced a Mexican village she was a goddess. She presented with psychosis, religious delusions, delusions of grandeur, sexual perversions, sadism, incest, fetishism, vampirism, and pedophilia. You don't want to miss that one. In the Indian Blood Farm, we cover a case where a man had an outbuilding he was keeping the downtrodden. He kept them weak by continuously draining blood to sell to the local hospitals who were running on short supply. But one man escaped and told the world what was really happening. How about the Body Snatchers episode where corpses had their body parts replaced with PVC pipes so they could be sold for a profit? In the Antron Singleton case, we cover a rapper who killed and ate pieces of a woman. There's always something new and interesting to listen to and a lot of twists and turns. So check out Exploring Evil everywhere you find Cryptique. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Howl is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Howl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. At the trial, Lim was no help to his own cause. He refused counsel, but somewhat admirably took full responsibility. Lim insisted on defending himself. During a committal trial, which was conducted to see if there was enough evidence to move forward, the prosecution called 58 witnesses and entered over 180 pieces of evidence. In Singapore, the case was a media sensation. Singapore has a low crime rate, and this was high profile due to the involvement of black magic and witchcraft. The public was electrified with the cult-like following Lim had with his 40 holy wives. In 1983 Singapore, the populace was very conservative and many were offended by the sordid details that the media was printing. A local vicar, Canon Frank Lomax, contacted the largest newspaper to complain about the effect on young readers. Some leaders thought that the story would help teach people to be more aware of the dangers that lurked in the shadows. In the trial, each defendant had their own representation and Lim continued his defiance by answering no comment repeatedly when he felt the answer wouldn't directly help his cause. Howard Cashin, Lim's court-appointed attorney, became hated by the public and even received death threats, despite having no choice in the matter. The three attorneys decided not to deny the responsibility of their clients, but to argue that they had diminished responsibility. 
Basically, it's the temporary insanity plea because according to them, at the time, they didn't realize what they were doing was wrong. The defendants had psychologists testify that the defendants suffered from mental illnesses including manic disorder, psychosis, schizophrenia, and depression. However, the prosecution argued that they planned, premeditated, and carried out the murder of two innocent children, and they knew what they were doing was wrong when they did it. Lim took the stand to accept full responsibility for both murders, but denied any rape, including the rape for which he had originally been charged with before the murders took place. When he was presented with questions he didn't like, he would not say anything. Tan and Hong answered the questions posed to them and told a story of an evil, vindictive man who they were afraid of. They both thought Lim had supernatural abilities, but the prosecution got Tan to admit that she had helped him trick clients. Psychiatrists battled over the diagnosis with the defense psychiatrist saying Lim was manic and not well, as shown by his belief in Cali and putting the body so close to his flat and a prosecution psychiatrist who said his belief in Kali was religious, not psychosis, and his actions were to gain wealth and power. The defense psychiatrist said Tan was weak and suffered from reactive psychotic depression, making her unable to resist Lim. The prosecution psychiatrist said she had expensive spa treatments and was taken shopping for expensive clothes, which are not the actions of a depressed person. Both sides agreed that Hong suffered from schizophrenia before encountering Lim as she had a stay at a mental hospital. They disagreed on her current mental state, with the prosecution saying she was cured and had been to see the doctors at the hospital who gave her a clean bill of health, and the defense was saying she was still hallucinating. In the end, the defense argued that Lim was a family man who fell under the spell of the occult and became psychotic, thinking he should sacrifice children to the goddess Kali. Tan had no will of her own and blindly followed Lim because of his abuse and control. Hong was depicted as a paranoid schizophrenic who thought she was sending the murdered children straight to heaven. On May 25, 1983, Singapore awaited the verdicts of these child killers, and they didn't have to wait long. After about 15 minutes, Justice Sinerthy found all three guilty, saying they were sane at the time of the murders. Had he decided that they were insane, they would face life in prison, but instead, they were headed for the gallows, as hanging was the method of execution in Singapore at the time. Lim decided to accept his fate and signed an affidavit not to appeal and actually donated his eyes and kidneys to help others. Cult. Noun. A system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. A misplaced excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Adrian Lim was a cult leader. He prayed on the weak and used them for his wants. Tan and Hong were both murderers, but Lim was the mastermind. He is like many other cult leaders throughout history. He made his followers feel like he was all-powerful or had a direct connection to the gods. 
he kept them drugged up and in check. He demeaned his holy wife by forcing her into stripping and prostitution, and he sucked people into doing his will despite them knowing it was wrong. If it wasn't for his careless body dumping, who knows how many dead children would have fallen into his grasp. Keep in mind, he had 40 holy wives. In the end, the three paid the ultimate price. No word if they were with Callie in the afterlife. Well, Ryan and I hope you like the New Year's Swapcast with Exploring Evil. If you haven't already, give it a listen. Don't forget to check out Movie Howl. Email us with stories, case suggestions, and comments at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and click that subscribe button, and I challenge you to each tell one friend about Cryptique as a New Year's resolution. That one should be easy to keep. I hope you all have a happy new year, and be the best you you can be. On behalf of Exploring Evil, good night.